0: Everybody, thank you for joining us. This is the Adra Canada Insider Podcast from Adra Canada. My name is Michael Kirkby, and I will be your host today. Uh, this will be my first hosting session because today we have uh, two special guests. We have Calvin Ockello, and we also have our normal host Frank Spangler, who is uh, going to be a guest today. So I'm normal.
1: Yeah, yeah you're yeah. normal.
0: <laughs> Good. And then also joining us is our, our regular Kayla Casey. Another regular. <laughs> All right, so um, I guess we'll get started with Frank. We'll uh, do a quick introduction. So, Frank, can you tell yeah, us? Yeah,
1: it's, it's fun to be on the other side of the table today. I, uh, I'm here today because we're going to be talking about a project that ADRA Canada is conducting in uh, the country of Rwanda called the Promise Project. And our main guest today, Calvin, is the manager for this project, And uh, I've recently visited the project, and uh, so we're going to kind of together tell you a little bit about the the work that Adra's doing there in Rwanda.
0: And so I think to get started, now is a perfect time to uh, have Calvin introduce himself. Uh, Can you give us a little bit of insight on on who you are, what you do?
2: Just as Mike mentioned, my name is Calvin Okelo, and uh, I'm the current uh, project manager on M&E for Promise Project. That currently um, is being undertaken in in Rwanda. We also have other projects uh, in uh, Malawi and Ghana. uh, We have partners uh, doing similar projects in in those other countries.
0: All right. And uh, can you tell us what PROMISE stands for?
2: Uh, PROMISE stands for Promoting Maternal, Infant, and Child uh, Sustainable Health Efforts so it's a uh, it's a project that uh, actually works towards reducing uh, maternal mortality okay and also reducing the rate of death of the children okay under five
0: so it's a it's a lot of maternal and child health uh, related a lot of
2: mNth which is maternal, newborn and uh, infant child. Uh, uh, health efforts—they're okay. trying to reduce and ensure that people are healthy, both the mothers and the children, All right. especially under five.
0: So, why why is it under five? Why why are we focusing on under five?
2: The reason why we target the under five children is because they're most vulnerable. So, it's it's that that's where you know if they're raised properly, for example, nutrition issues are undertaken at that point, then they're not likely to experience uh, illnesses or diseases that may compromise their health. When you have a healthy childhood, like, for example, if the nutrition is well taken care of, all the other smaller issues are taken care of, then they're not likely to suffer a little ahead in their life.
0: Okay, so it's like giving the child a head start. A boost, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A boost okay. at the beginning. Giving them a, a good start in life. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So can you uh, just, I guess, tell us a little bit about you, uh, maybe some, some personal anecdotes and how you ended up here at ADRIANDA? Canada.
2: I was re- born and raised in Kenya. I come from a small town called Kendu Bay, about six kilometers from the shores of Lake Victoria, okay. one of the fresh, I think the second largest fresh lakes in the world. Hmm. And uh, I, I believe you probably know Kendu Mission Hospital. That's one of the major Adventist hospitals in mm-hmm. yeah, Kendu yeah. Bay. And uh, growing up as a child, I realized that there was a project that was sponsored by Adra Canada. Actually, it was... Uh, supported by a Better World Canada, okay, but I believe there was uh, some. Adra Canada was also Adra- involved. Adra there, was involved I, there, I remember S-Y.
1: visiting two or three times because Adra Canada, with the support of the kind of the founder of that project, Doctor Ken Dr. Hill. Doctor Ken Hill. I yes. remember very vividly. Yeah.
2: So one of the things that I realized, oh, there are people who are doing some project, and the, one of the things that they did was uh, rehabilitating the children those who could not walk. So they would do some surgery like it was mostly surgery on the children who were either lame or or who couldn't physically walk. And, uh, you know, after the rehabilitation, the kids would be, you know, they they would now actively participate in the community because initially they were crippled and they, they were left on their own. They would go ahead with the education and, you know, their lives literally improved. So I said, you know, this is something that can make a difference in other people's lives. So that's how I got a little more interested in trying to get involved, especially Adventist Mission and, uh, of course, ADRA.
1: Okay. Did you do some work there at the project site?
2: No, actually, I was more or less uh, a spectator. I, I could see what they were doing <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> from a
1: distance. <laughs> yeah. I wondered if, if you might have been there one of the times that I visited. I remember thinking, Ken's kids from Ken Do Bay.
2: Yeah, I, I just literally saw how, especially the kids' lives were, Changed around or turned around, and that was really something oh, It was great. very inspiring. Very mm-hmm. inspiring, very inspiring. It was humbling as well, because seeing a family travel all the way from Canada, it was really fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how did you get from uh, Bay over here to Canada? What, what led you in this direction?
2: Uh, I would say there was a series of things that, that I was born in a family, raised in a family of eight. Three sisters and uh, four brothers. Okay. And, you know, through the Adventist education, we would learn things like Andrews University. We would learn things like Loma Linda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to know quite a bit about ADRA, especially ADRA Kenya, ADRA Canada. I managed to go for my graduate studies in the U.S. So I was staying very close to uh, to the headquarters, the church headquarters at, in, in Maryland.
0: Which is where ADRA International is also located. That's right. Yeah.
2: And, and I happened to have friends who were working for ADRA at that point. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I got some more information about ADRA. And then after a little while, after I finished my graduate studies, uh, I wanted to get a little more involved. Even though I, I was working for a different uh, industry, I was working for the tech world. Mm-hmm. But I was always looking for opportunities. And uh, I found that there was a need for a project management, and uh, I decided to join Andra. <laughs> okay. Yes. And we're glad you did. (laughs) Oh, I think uh, it's something that I was actually looking forward to. It was a great opportunity. All right. Mm -hmm. So as
0: a project manager, what do you do? What are some of the things that you do for a Promise?
2: So as a project manager, we do lots of, monitoring. So mm-hmm. we go to the field, make sure that everything works as stipulated. Uh, we also go and uh, work with the teams to build the capacity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we also try to collaborate with the local leadership just to make sure that resources are directed properly. Like, for example, in, in Rwanda, the mayor is, is greatly involved. They, they have some contractual obligation to ensure that the activities that are done by each partner organizations are, are done to their requirements. They have a, a contract, like a performance contract with the government of Rwanda. So doing that, they also help us with the project. So
1: That's the mayors, you said?
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. the mayor of, of uh, for example, the district of Kayonza. Okay. But uh, ideally, we oversee the, the implementation of the project. We also are accountable to our partners either the CCFC, which is a Christian Child Fund, and also the, the government of Canada to ensure that uh, all these uh, projects are implemented properly.
1: Yes, Kelvin, thank you for mentioning that. We really do need to acknowledge our partners for the uh, Promise Project. You know, the primary source of funding for this project actually comes from the government of Canada through Global Affairs Canada. And then for Promise, we are also partnering with the Christian Children's Fund of Canada and Emmanuel International you know without the support of our partners like these we would not be able to do the wonderful work that we are doing uh in the promise project in Rwanda
0: okay And so you both have been to Rwanda now a number of times. So I guess this question now I'm going to ask Frank, uh, what is the most interesting thing you've seen while visiting Promise in Rwanda?
1: Maybe I'll just back up a little bit first and say that uh, I found it interesting that the location where Promise was being done is not new for ADRA Canada. When I first arrived in the area, I said, oh, I've been here before. And (laughs) as I talked to the people, that were driving me around and and managing the Promise Project, yes, I found indeed that ADRA Canada started work in this part of Rwanda shortly, well, let's say a couple of years at least after the genocide. And uh, I visited shortly after. Uh, ADRA Canada, in cooperation with the Canadian government, were making places available for the people who were returning to Rwanda and didn't have any place to go, no place to set up their house. And uh, ADRA Canada they were doing what was called swamp reclamation. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? Swamp, swamp. reclamation? Swamp. yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> reclamation. Well, they basically draining the swamp. Oh, no. <laughs> ma- I don't know if we want to use that phrase. <laughs> uh, what they were doing, it was they, they were uh, making the swamp uh, less swampy and uh, teaching the people how to do agriculture there, especially growing rice. Mm-hmm. Because it was wet enough and damp enough, yeah. they were uh, introducing rice, crops but not only that they were also building schools building people some homes uh, health posts and uh, water uh, systems for the area and so it was a delight for me to see how Adric Canada was helping people even at that early stage in Rwanda and now we have done a number of projects in that area is that right Calvin? That's right. Tell us about the the project there's LEAF project? REAP Reap this, uh,
2: Kureneza
0: Kureneza. Was also down there, Kureneza, as well. yes. Yeah. So I remember, I visited Currenza in 2015, mm-hmm. um, and that was right after Leaf had ended. So yeah. I think I've also been in the same area. Yeah, yeah, so.
2: there, there are a few others actually, there are more than 15 projects that are under uh, in,
1: in this area or throughout the country. No, in the area, in that area, 15 yeah. different projects yeah, over the years. Different projects. Yeah. So
0: Adra okay. Canada has had a strong presence in this. This region. Yeah, yeah. Right.
1: and I like it when, when we don't just pop in, do a quick project, and leave. Yeah. There's follow-up, and there's continued growth and development, and uh, I really like to see that. Over the years, as I have um, interviewed people and asked them about uh, the effects that the project has had in their lives, they tell me all about what ADRA has done, and, but then I'll, always at the end they say, but please don't forget us, mm-hmm. you know, please stay Please continue to do the work that you're doing. And it's so wonderful to see that ADRA Canada is doing that in this part of Rwanda and helping the people. So promise. What did I see about promise? Yeah.
0: What what, what did you see? What What was the most interesting thing you saw
1: while there? The thing that stands out in my mind is the appreciation of the people for what we're doing. Everybody that I talked to, it was almost the same thing. Please, when you go back to Canada, tell the people how much we have appreciated what they are doing for us. And there was lots of dancing, lots of celebration, <laughs> lots of singing, clapping. Uh, while I was there, there was a distribution of an ambulance to the area. Okay. So we had a big celebration. I believe the mayor was there. Yes, right. As you talked about. Yes and lots of people from the community came out. And they were singing and dancing and a real appreciation for what Adra had done by donating this ambulance because it's going to save lives. That's right. Uh,
0: because and, before this ambulance, how, how I, I believe they did a demonstration for you on how people get to the hospital?
1: That was actually in the Embrace area where, okay. I, where I actually rode with the ambulance for uh, a couple of hours. But here, it was mostly the turning over of the keys. Okay. And uh, But it was still interesting to see, and the speeches and the singing, and, and like I say, the dancing, and we captured some of that on camera. And from there, they packed me up in a vehicle and took me uh, across the valley, and there people were gathered again. And there was another big uh, distribution this time of goats and fruit trees and uh, so again there were speeches there was singing and dancing as people received these gifts from Canada they were so appreciative and so I think that's what stands out in my mind
0: and, and Frank you mentioned what you saw was uh, a distribution of goats and, and fruit trees so Calvin since you are the project manager can you explain why this is such a, a big deal like what because the ambulance like it's understandable yeah. yeah that that definitely relates to mother and child health it gets people to the hospital but goats and fruit trees. Why?
2: uh, I think the interesting part of it is that you realize there's the sustainability element just to make sure that they can have essential nutrients. We have the fruit trees and vegetables for the households, so that they can be able to provide proper nutrition to the babies and also the pregnant mothers so that the whole family can have adequate food results. The area that we operate in as a project is very dry. They only have about three or so months. After which they, they say it's usually a dry spell. Okay. So you have to have some ways of, of ensuring that they have food that they can produce on their own. So just being able to get the fruit trees for them gives them a good start so that they can be able to do it on their own. We help them with better ways of doing the gardening, like the kitchen gardening, mm-hmm. makes it a lot easier to thrive even under dry conditions. Okay. So there's fruit trees, and then the goats. The goats now help them to provide extra income, you know, for the families. Because the goats the goats reproduce after a very short period of time. Okay, so they then they're able to them, sell the
0: yeah. the younger goats and and I imagine the goats also help in the way that they provide fertilizer.
2: Fertilizer. Yeah. Organic, <laughs> organic fertilizer. Organic <laughs> <laughs> fertilizer.
0: So that'll also help with the, the...
2: With the farming, with the garden. And now sure. do
0: they do they milk the goats there as well? To... Not
2: most of the people do that. But okay. You know that's potentially something they could do.
1: I've heard this, that it's not part of the culture to drink goat milk, right? It is not. Uh, it's not part it's of the promise... culture kind of introducing that, did I hear?
2: You know, we kind of enlightened them that there are certain things they could do differently, which could benefit them, because even some fruits, uh, there are some people who probably didn't know certain fruits or even vegetables that they just discovered recently. Okay. That could benefit them, so we are kind of constantly reminding them that these things are edible and they can get use of them. Okay.
1: Something I found was that a lot of people that I talked to had recently moved to the area, Mm-hmm. because the land is cheaper there, because it's so dry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have been lured in by the uh, incentive of cheap land. And so if they have a little savings, they can go to this part of Rwanda and actually buy a piece of land, whereas before they might have been landless. And uh, so they, they get their little piece of land, they take the, the, the mud from the land and mm-hmm. they build themselves a little house with that. But then when it comes time to try and make a little money on that land, like you say, it's only three months of the year where they yeah. get are getting rains. And so they found, before Adra came along with the Promise Project and the LEAF Project, they were finding that the amount of food that they were able to grow in that three months sometimes didn't last the whole mm-hmm. year. And there would be hunger through, before the rains came again the next year. Whereas some of these techniques that Promise and LEAF have brought in that shows them how to grow in the dry season even Mm. using unglazed pots buried in the ground and other ways of keeping the moisture in the ground Mm -hmm. has uh, extended their growing season. And so they're growing through, even through most of the dry season, they're able to grow some things and feed their family that way. And uh, so you can imagine if you were in that situation where you were going hungry every year and someone comes along and shows you you how you can feed your family, how appreciative you'd be.
0: And that's explaining all the dancing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes yeah. In your travels to Rwanda, what is something that has stood out to you while visiting the Promise Project?
2: The enthusiasm that you see the the people are with, like when they dance.
0: Yeah, very like, like Frank was mentioning. They
2: jump up and down and, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, they they actually recognize what the project does for them. So mm-hmm. that's something that, that's really encouraging. And I think one of the most interesting things is that you find it's uh, a whole dry area and then you find a very green patch of you know like vegetables and fruits and you you start wondering like how did this happen
0: yeah that was one thing i I noticed when i was i visited it was years ago before promise just after leaf had ended and curanesa was getting started yeah and like you mentioned it was it was a very dry area and then you'd see these houses with greenery all around them and they were just lush and they always had an adra logo yeah 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 you're just like ah yes (laughs) (laughs) that's adra right there yeah yeah and it, it was very obvious that these people had been paying attention and these people had been very appreciative of of what adra had done for them and they had taken the lessons that they learned and were continuing on the amount of vegetables and fruit that they were growing in this dry region was was amazing. Yeah. What kinds of vegetables and fruit are they growing? Oh, everything! I...
2: Everything. So they grow things from bananas. There's uh, the tree tomatoes, avocados, mm-hmm.
0: a lot of root vegetables. You see, mangoes, beets,
2: beets carrots, carrots. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and the vegetables they got Swiss chard. Kale, amaranth, uh, those ones, yeah. amaranth. Those ones do very well, mm-hmm. very very well. You know, they got like lots of supplies for themselves. And...
0: I I even saw one person dr- growing strawberries. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. I, know. yeah. I, only, I know. I only this... I only saw it one place, but there was one place. They were tiny little strawberries, but there were <laughs> tiny strawberries. <little>
2: strawberries. Yeah. <laughs> but the interesting part is that for sustainability, they're also keeping the seeds. So mm-hmm. they're trying to see that, that they can come up with things on their own that they can be able to sustain the project okay. even beyond the actual project life
0: so they can mm. continue growing vegetables year after year vegetables
2: mm. and fruits yeah mm. and each like you go you go to each household you find that there's lots of you know fruit trees that are are out there like grown fruit trees
0: yeah and and one thing i noticed is the fruit trees which we are providing yes. then provide shade that allows the smaller plants to grow up under and yeah it's that's mm. right very it's a, a very, very good balance. Yeah, yeah. very symbiotic relationship. <laughs> I guess
2: yeah. Well, the, One of the things that I also realized very recently is that they would do skits and drama. I went to some village called Romagnoni. In this village, they had the men's club. Literally reenact all the activities that the project does. So okay. They, they would depict them, like they would act them out and see uh, like how they could re- mm. uh, resolve crisis within families like if there's conflict.
0: And so this was the men's club? Men's club. Okay. Um, Reenacting... The different aspects... The different aspects
2: of the project.
0: That is focused on maternal, newborn, and child health. That's
2: right. They talk about things like uh, sanitation and hygiene. So they would come with a little, uh, you know, banana-made toilet. They'd have a child sit over there and then, you know do stuff like they would now do the, the tippy top. I picked out they do mm. the proper hand washing uh, technique and things like that
0: oh it's great to hear that the guys are getting involved in, in a project mm. that is is by the sounds of it women and children oriented that's it right it gets the whole family the whole village involved the whole village involved
2: yeah. and, and you know what like the whole village like Literally, I saw more than 300 people gather around there. They, nobody called them. They just spontaneously came from, <laughs> from oh, <wow>. everywhere. <laughs> and they were glued to that place uh, like for almost an hour, you know, just okay. watching all the different aspects mm-hmm. being acted at the place there. Oh, it was really, great. really, really amazing to see how they, they'd remember all those little things.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I was there. I, I was only there for about four days. But in that short time, I was taken to observe two men's groups, two different men's groups. The first one was mostly just a lecture type of thing. But the second one, they were talking about gender roles and mm-hmm. what's appropriate for a man to do yeah. <laughs> around the house and, and does a man get involved in raising the children and that type of thing, or is that just a woman's job? So they were debating this. They, The the team leader had set up half the group on one side to take the position of how men should be so involved and, and do all of these things, and the other half was taking the side that men shouldn't involved, And so there was an interesting discussion back and forth and all of the reasons why you should or shouldn't do uh, these types of things around the house. And so it's really, uh, I think, uh, helping people to become engaged with the idea that That's they right. can become more involved in the family yeah. and the raising of the children.
2: That's right. Uh, another good turnaround around is uh, there was this uh, adolescent group, the young girls, the mm-hmm. teenage girls that dropped out of school because they got pregnant. Okay. So the group initially were very shy and, you know, they would be ostracized because of the fact that they had children out of wedlock. Mm -hmm. So we found out that this group now, they came up together and formed a club. And within that club, they had all these, you know, songs and uh, poems that they would sing to the group. And, you know, like from where they came from, from the background, you'd realize that now they're more involved. They're more confident in the things that they do. And they stand out in the community because they don't feel sorry for themselves, but rather they're encouraging other young girls, like within in schools, not to get involved in things that may jeopardize their chances of continuing with education, to avoid teenage pregnancy and things like that. Okay, which I found very interesting as well. All right.
0: So there's all sorts of different ways that people are being involved in this project, not just receiving goods and services from ADRA, but actually getting involved and, and learning things and then using the knowledge that they have to educate others.
2: That's right. Yeah, it, it appears that the people are now actively involved, including the, the adolescent groups at school. We actually went and interviewed and asked lots of questions to the, the various uh, school groups, and they were able to answer quite a, a number of questions and also, you know, kind of challenges with some of the questions that they had about uh, adolescent sexual rights and, you know, health. And I think that was quite interesting because when they get to know these things early in life, then they would avoid things like early childhood pregnancy or avoid getting diseases when they they, they shouldn't okay. at that point. So, Calvin, you mentioned a lot of these vegetables and
0: fruits that they are now growing in their gardens. I'm just wondering how they know how
2: to grow them. Are we doing anything for them? Yes, we train them on how to establish their kitchen gardens. And of course, they also have the farmer field learning schools, which are essentially larger gardens within their villages. So, there's the care group leaders who kind of literally help them demonstrate on how to. Is that
0: kind of like a Community
2: garden? It is like a community garden. Okay. Yeah, Small community garden, but you know, kind of just for teaching them on how to do it. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then they can do on their own, and mm-hmm. they can give them help as well.
0: I guess my question then is, okay, so I have never seen a zucchini before in my life. Yes. Hypothetically, I've, I've seen too many <laughs> zucchinis in my life. <laughs> um, but let's say I'm, I'm someone who has grown up in an area, and I've never seen a zucchini or, or pick your vegetable. Yes. And I'm told to grow a vegetable um, so now I have all of these zucchinis growing in my garden. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with these. What is Adra doing yeah. to teach these people who have now are now growing vegetables they've never grown before what to do with these vegetables uh, or their fruits? Or...
2: A very good question. So uh, what we do is that uh, we have organized cooking demonstrations. Each month in each village, we have one cooking demonstration going on. So the number of cooking demonstrations that are coordinated within the various 66 villages in Kayonza and uh, out of which the uh, community gathers both men and women and children and then they they have a cooking demonstration so they're, they're shown how to you know have nutritious mix of vegetables and you know how to serve them how to cook them and prepare them and then uh, after which uh, this, uh, the food is served to the children. So it could be a variety of vegetables, uh, fruit. This is also um, a strategy to help rehabilitate the children and also to help efforts of ensuring that they have proper nutrition. Okay. Yeah. So
0: there's, there's so much more to this project than just mm-hmm. mother-newborn child health. It's all related, but this is, it's a big project.
2: Yeah. It's a...
1: One of the things I think we haven't talked about um, that I noticed quite a bit of, and that was the growth monitoring. Promotion. Yeah, like I visited several places where the, the ladies were waiting and lined up there with their babies in their arms, and and one by one they would come up and get the baby weighed and measured, and there was charts that were kept. And if ADRA finds any child that is in what they call the yellow or red zone of, right. of these... Uh, evaluations that then they are put on a rehabilitative uh, feeding program. Maybe you can tell us more about what what the uh, growth monitoring component of the program really provides uh, the promise.
2: So usually the process is that uh, when children, for example, the parents are supposed to bring the children uh, when they're doing these cooking demonstrations. So over there, there's uh, people who come from the clinic, the health clinics. Right. And they weigh the children. That's that's in conjunction with the uh, uh, community health workers. They weigh the children and find out, especially when they when they realize that they're underweight. There's a strategy which they uh, help these children through. So according to the statistics from the district, initially they had 169 cases of malnutrition. 169. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. The children were malnourished. At the moment, they only have about 25, which okay. are under either red or yellow. So the red means that the child is very badly uh, malnutritioned, so they have to be taken to the clinics or the hospital so that they can gain um, a certain uh, acceptable weight. But if they are on yellow, then that means they're transitioning, so between the point where they're badly malnutritioned to a point where they could be rehabilitated, they could you know, go back home and, and, and continue to have a proper feeding kind of schedule mm-hmm. to enable them gain um, appropriate weight. So, uh, the project is working with the health centers, not just through monitoring, but they're also actively involved to ensure that the children are up to a, a certain weight that's, that's reasonable, that's
1: healthy. So 66 villages, you say, 66 are villages. involved with the PROMISE project. What kind of an impact do you think that that is having? How many people are we talking about?
2: Uh, we're talking over, about over 10,000 people, 10,600.
0: Uh, is that direct or indirect?
2: Those are direct uh, beneficiaries.
0: Okay. So those are the people that we are working with directly, um, and are they are actually members of the project? That's right. Okay. And then beyond that, because like you said, there's people that are forming groups and then... Uh, doing education and, and teaching other people. So, do you know like how many people are being affected by this indirectly?
2: The indirect is approximated about 29,000. Okay. It could be it could be well well over over that because as you can see now the project has spun. like if you look at the the number of kitchen kitchen gardens that have been established, it's way over that. It's yeah. just that, you know, everybody has picked up.
1: That's and, what I found too. People it. that I interviewed that had the gardens where they learned the procedures from Adra, saying, all of their neighbors that aren't involved in the project are asking them, how do you have such beautiful gardens? <laughs> and so the the spillover effect is, I'm sure the like you say the indirect benefit, beneficiaries. It's a huge number. A I had yeah. no
0: idea this project was that big.
1: Yeah,
2: it's it's grown it's, great, so it's great, quite quite big. We yeah. we just approximate about twenty nine thousand, but it's way over that.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'd love to hear about this impact that ADRA is making in this region.
2: I, I would say at the moment, uh, we are hoping that the impact is going to be much greater. By the end of the project, the effect is, the impact is going to be much greater than it is right now.
0: Okay. And how long is this project running?
2: The project is a four-year project. It started in April 2016, and it's ending in, in March of uh,
0: 2020. Okay. So we have a, f- a few more years of this project.
2: About two more years. So a
0: lot more good to come out of this project. We hope that
2: uh, quite a bit should come out of the project. Uh, All right. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Very good. I'm looking forward to going back one more time before it's over.
0: Yeah, I'm actually, I'm going there in a few weeks now. Oh, really? So, oh. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. We'll, we'll yeah. have to have
1: you on this side of the table
0: next time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so, Calvin, uh, what we, we like to do with our guests is have them tell a, a personal story uh, from some of their travel. Do you have any stories that you want to share? We're really putting you on the yeah, spot Yeah, we're putting right you now. on the spot now. All so. right.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think I would say funny, but at the same time, I would probably say something that kind of shocked me. Okay. Is that the first time I was really interested in going to France. So I went to Paris and got a place and uh, I was just settled and uh, say, oh, let me go get some dinner. So I went by, got the dinner, came back to the room, uh, the hotel that I checked in. And lo and behold, I checked the, the safe that I'd, I had my things. I just put my things there about 30 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. The place was like halfway open. Oh, no. And my wallet was, it was there, but the the contents were taken, you know? Oh, oh no. no. So I said, wow, this is so interesting. Initially, I had very nice thoughts that I was going to go here and there. It kind of just crippled me for a minute. I said, yeah. man, things can be different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Things can be so different within a very short time, yeah. you know?
0: You have such romantic notions of that city. And then... <laughs> of course,
2: Paris is a city of love. So yeah. I was thinking, you know, all these things are going to be so nice and so good. Yep. Yeah but then you know after that i had to i had to be quite cautious mm-hmm. it was quite an experience the city was really beautiful and nice i had to go through the hafel tower and stuff okay it was a little different. I was a little more cautious. Yeah. It teaches you really careful. fast that it, it doesn't <laughs> matter where you are in the world, you yeah. still need to be careful. You still need <laughs> to be careful, extra careful. Extra I careful. Said, you know, things can change in a moment. Okay. But I think one interesting time was when I was coming from Rwanda just recently. Everybody boarded the plane and uh, it took off really well. It was up in the sky. And then we had a, a big drop, like almost three meters, like boom. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> And everybody was so much shaken, like yeah. <laughs> nobody could hardly say it yeah. <laughs> for a little while. But, you know, after a while, it it, it was okay, but people were really shaken. So uh-huh. I thought okay. that was really funny.
0: Well, I'm glad you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Calvin. At this stage of our uh, our program, we uh, we take questions from our listeners and we, we answer them. Uh, so, if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer on this podcast, you can send the questions to Stay In Touch at Adra.ca. And today's question, uh, Frank, do you have it there?
1: Yes. Why do Adra staff still travel? Can't you do everything now with conference calls? Skype and emails?
0: Oh, that is a good question. <laughs> that is a good question. The um, I, I'm just going to answer on, on behalf of my department, which is the Supporter Relations Department. And when we travel, our purpose of traveling is to gather the photos and the stories and, and the videos um, of our projects so that we can then bring them back and right. show them uh, to the people of Canada what their donations have went towards. And this is something that we often receive materials and stories and, and pictures from our, field our offices. yeah our, our field offices our partners in the field and a lot of them are good, but the amount that we need is often much higher than what we receive. Or the, the quality of the photos doesn't work with some of our materials. So what we do when we travel is we will have basically a list of what we need, what we need photos of, what we need videos of, and the type of stories that we need. Like say, for example, we need gift catalog items. We know what, when we get there, this is what we need to see. This is what we need photos of. And then we're guaranteed high quality video pictures and and stories. Um, but uh, yeah, Calvin. Actually, this is perfect that you're here because you are a project manager. So I guess this one, yes, yeah, Skype conference calls. Why is it that you would need to go as opposed to just staying at your office and and calling?
2: We do that, of course. Mm-hmm. We do. We do video conferences. So you are on saving
1: Skype. money over what?
2: Saving quite a bit of money. But uh, we also find that it's essential to go to the field and verify these things because apart from just uh, doing the project management, we also do monitoring and evaluation. So we get to speak to the actual beneficiaries of the project. We get to see the actual project, the implementation, talk to them, find out where the you know, difficulties and challenges and address them as we see them. We get to speak to the, the local leaders and get their buy-in so that you know, they can also help support the project. So it's, it's a little more than just you know, having communication in between, but it's also getting involved and getting people to see your point of views getting to hear from the real people, getting to see the actual project, it's a lot different than just getting a report of the same. Oh, Mm yes.
1: You know, something that um, it's important to keep in mind is that in addition to our going and auditing a program and evaluating a program, uh, some of our partners show up, like the Canadian government, for example, can show up unexpectedly at our office and want to see the project that they have co-funded. And uh, so we need to be sure as the lead agency that everything is going great and that the books are in order, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, so that when the government or one of our other partners like Canadian Food Grains Bank uh, comes by and does a surprise visit to evaluate that everything is in great shape. And I think part of that is uh, it's important
2: for us for accountability purposes we have to ensure that there's compliance. And then there are other thematic issues that we have to cons- consider, like we have gender issues that have to be taken care of. So all those are, are looked at when we go to the field to ensure that the project is governed mm-hmm. by a committee or groups that are supposed to be representative of the issues of the people. And environment, for example, you make sure that, you know, when they're doing all these projects, they're not negatively impacting the, on the in- environment. Right. Right. So there's a
1: lot of different reasons why it's important for our staff to still
2: that's right yeah you have to comply
0: and and i think it's also important to note that we aren't traveling for the fun of it yeah yeah like (laughs) when when we go on these trips it's not for a vacation it's not to oh i feel like going to rwanda next week because i want to go on a safari we're going there for a purpose we're going there to in in our case gather stories in your case ensure that the project is running the way that it needs to be running it's not because we want to spend the money and travel around the world it's to ensure that this project is is continuing the way it needs to go and that the people here in Canada know what is happening and also to continue to use these stories to provide support in the future. That's right, yeah. So there's there's many, many reasons that we travel. All right. Well, Calvin, it has been great having you as a guest. And and Frank, thanks for being a guest yeah, as thank well. You. It was great to yeah, be here. So, um, <laughs> And uh, I have to say, it's been fun being a host this time. If you want to see any of the photos um, or videos from today's stories.
1: From, yeah, from... actually, I do have a good video on, okay. on, on the Promise Project, so, yeah.
0: So that video will be on, I'll put that in on there, our well. website at adra.ca slash podcast. You can check that out. Click on the, the link there that says Promise. Another way you can get to it is through the iTunes app. If you scroll down and hit details under today's episode, there is an option to go directly to the website there. Yeah, Um, So that would be a simple way if you're listening to this on iTunes podcast. And Um, I'm
1: guessing Android must have something like that.
0: I imagine so. (laughs) (laughs) I imagine so. Um, and if you want to submit any questions uh, that we can answer in future episodes, you can submit them to stayintouch at adra.ca. And that's all one word stay in touch.
1: And we really do appreciate you writing in. I think today's question, especially. Um... A lot of people might be wondering the same thing and so mm-hmm. when we answer your question we may be answering many people's questions people are concerned you know how much of my donation goes in goes to cover airfares you know right. and uh, why is that important today and uh, so we're happy to be able to mm-hmm. um, answer those kinds of questions and help people understand uh uh, what it is we need to do in order to conduct the work that we're doing all right mm.
0: and you'll get a john howard book out of it oh, that's <laughs> yes. right if we read your question on air yeah. <laughs> thanks for reminding me Kelly. yes if your question is read on air you will get a john howard book all and right. uh, john howard was the founder of adri canada yeah all right well thank you so much again for joining us today and um we look forward to uh seeing you all in the future yeah it's been great being here